Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, part three, taking your place at the top, the 50 secrets of uncommon achievers. Glad to have everybody on. Uh, I'm going to start in Joshua chapter one as we continue with part three, taking your place at the top, the 50 secrets of uncommon achievers. Joshua chapter one, verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land that I've given to you. From the Negev wilderness in the south, to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will never fail you, and I'll never abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead all these people to these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. I want you to write that down. Successful in everything I do. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. This book of instruction continually, excuse me. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Never be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you follow this book of instruction you will be successful in everything you do. Among other things, the Bible was written. Hey, Marcy, glad you're enjoying it. The Bible was written as... A, this was going to irritate any religious people watching. I, I said, among other things. It's not the whole purpose of the Bible. But a purpose of the Bible is to give you instruction for good success in life. Success in marriage. Success raising your children. And then it doesn't drop out in the business world or ministry. Success in your business. Success in your ministry. So that there's no frustration in life. I have almost no monitor. If they could, if they could raise it. If you follow this book of instruction... I will give you good success in everything you do. Now, think of this. I'm stealing this from um, Dr. Mike Murdoch. There's two parts to Jesus. There's the person of Jesus. Hey, Pastor Mike in Nebraska, looking forward to seeing you again. There's the person of Jesus, which you receive him and know him and worship him and love him. Repent of your sin and receive him as Savior. That gets you to heaven. Then there's the principles of Jesus that you follow those for your conduct and success on this earth and the same with the word of God. There's the power of, of the gospel, the power of the Bible that heals your body, that transforms your mind. 
But then there's the principles of the Bible. And some people focus on, on only one or the other. It's all the power. You know, I've known people. You may have known people. They know about the power of God. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I grew up around church. I'm thinking of, of ministers that ha have notable miracles and don't have enough money to get their car fixed or their marriage was a mess. So all power, but they don't know the principles. And then there's other people that just turn the Bible into like a workbook, principles for success, and you wouldn't have anybody healed or any kind of manifestation of the power of God in their meetings in a hundred years of Sundays. But if you get both, that's where people always, always flare up. You start teaching the principles of success that are clearly outlined in the Bible. Well, you know, the, what about the power of God? What about healing? What about, yeah, that's in there. You have both. It's not one or the other. If you would, write it down. The principles of Jesus and the person of Jesus. Follow this book of instruction. See the Bible as a book of instruction, not a book of promises, not a book that records the history of characters in here. God is no respecter of persons, so steps are repeatable. God's giving you a picture into what people like Solomon did. Thanks, Beverly. What a nice thing to write on the app. So if I do what they do, I get what they get. If I do what they did with the same heart that they had, kingdom first. God's, I'm not doing these things because God's my business partner. Out of love for God, love for his kingdom. First Chronicles 29, David said, because of my affection for the temple of the Lord, I have given out of my own personal treasury. So if I let... If I let God's power transform my heart and mind to have what they had, the same motivation and intention, and take the same steps they took, then I get what they got. Wow, Sean. Thank you, for, Pastor. We're so thankful for your teaching. We're in the country of Panama as missionaries. So thank, so thank you for blessing us with the word. I'm going to tell you something, Sean, as a missionary. This kind of thing that I'm teaching will break you, and I don't know anything about you or your ministry, so this isn't a knock, but it'll break you out of the company of missionaries that are dependent upon other people for their finances. Imagine being a missionary that other ministries in Panama draw their resources from your ministry. That's where God will take you. That's why I, I entitled this, Taking Your Place at the Top. There's a place at the top for you if you're interested. You belong at the top. The Bible says so. I will make you the head and never the tail. We're replacing all the chairs in the sanctuary right now with like proper church chairs. It's amazing how much sound those chairs ate up. They're like soundproofing, huh? Because it's like echoing in here. Chairs come today or did they delay it? Yeah. We'll see if it comes actually at one. Well, since, anybody ever notice since they legalized marijuana, everything's delayed? Bro, not gonna be able to get you the chairs. We uh hit a supply line issue. No, you hit a you hit a bong. You have a bong issue. Hopefully that was not a word of knowledge. All right. 
The 50 Secrets of Uncommon Achievers, Part 3. Where did we leave off yesterday? That's something I should know. Ah, got it. We're on number 16, correct? 16, thank you, Gina. Solomon compensated, and we're drawing this out of Second Chronicles chapter 2 and chapter 3, which we already read. If you haven't watched the other two, I would encourage you to, to go back and watch those. Solomon compensated and rewarded those who assisted him in achieving his goals. I want to make sure I don't have any of these twice. Turn to 1 Kings. I do, I do have some of them twice. So sorry, I got to do a little, little note adjustment on the fly. First Kings 5.11. I'll start at verse 10. So King Hiram supplied as much cedar and cypress timber as Solomon desired. In return... Everybody write that down or say it out loud. In return, Solomon sent him an annual payment of 100,000 bushels of wheat for his household and 110,000 gallons of pure olive oil. Number 16, Solomon compensated and rewarded those who assisted him in achieving his goals. There's a cliche in business, leaders eat last. You can see the same principle, come to think of it, with Abraham. Abraham led men out to battle. He paid a tithe to Melchizedek, and then he paid all his men. He didn't take all the money for himself. He paid all his men. I can't speak for business because I'm not in that world. But this is a, 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 a secret that causes many ministries to flatline is everything goes to the guy at the top and the helpers get nothing. The common thing they would say in, in Pentecostal circles is um, we're going to ask you, we're going to ask you to live by faith. Hey, I'd love for you to be the youth pastor at our church, but we, we're going to need you to come here by faith. And what they meant is we're not going to pay you which has nothing to do with faith. It's actually anti-faith. Because um, Abraham's the father of our faith, and Abraham paid his men, uncommon achievers, compensate and reward those that assist them in achieving their goals. Number 16, uncommon achievers compensate and reward those who assist them in achieving their goals. And common losers take everything for them and don't pay anybody. You know, there's, pe there's, there's people at churches, they're asked to do, do things. It started off as a volunteer. Before you know it, that person's at the church 20-some hours a week. 
yelled at if they're not there and they give them, what, a $50 gift card to Starbucks at Christmas time? That's wrong. You're only hurting yourself. I hope on this point I can get you to cross a bridge in your mind that every time you're trying to get somebody to help you for free, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your mind. You're hurting your mentality. You're hurting your reputation. You're hurting people's desire to help you in the future. When God sent, you know, <laughs> what's the golden rule? Think of it. It's called the golden rule. It's the golden rule of the Bible. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. I probably overpay people. I took my daughter out to a, a place in Pittsburgh called Pramani Brothers, which is a glorified bar last night for dinner because I, I'm, Adalis is uh, on, a, on a trip for the ministry. She comes back today. So I have sole custody of her for 48 hours. And I, <laughs> I took her to check the news with me, which starts at 10.30, got over at 11.30, and I thought, she hasn't eaten since lunch at school. So I said, if you, had din yeah, if you had dinner, as if she like ran out and fixed a meal for herself or went out with friends, she's nine. So obviously, she hasn't had dinner. I was with her the whole time. I said, all right, let's go. Well, there's, a, there's just a bar that's open. Well, if, if, if anybody's been to Pittsburgh or lives in Pittsburgh, Pramani Brothers just raised their prices, but it's still insanely cheap. We got our bill. It was $12. I got five boneless wings. And she got a kid's pizza, and she got a Sprite, and I got a water. So now think of it. What's the tip on a $12 bill? If I do 20%, which is considered generous, it's $2.40, which is 20%. But the guy was so nice. He's in his early 20s. And I thought, how do you give somebody $2? I'm not saying you have to. This is not part of this point. I'm just saying this is to talk about the golden rule. If I was that guy. What would I wish someone would do for me? Not $2.40. Then you just start thinking about how many people probably stiffed him that day and didn't tip him. He was, he was such a nice guy. So I left him a $50 tip, which I, I was debating between $50 and $100. You know, sometimes you can give people, if you give them too much, they like resent you for it. It's weird. Like, I'll tell you what I mean. Found out that guy's a preacher, comes in splashing his money around. They actually aren't thankful you give him a big tip. It's you're splashing your money around. I've had that happen before. Comes in here dropping $100 bills on the table. So I did, I, I put 50, and I was walking Camila out to the, um, to our vehicle, and he busted out the door. Thank you so much. You made my night. I really appreciate that. I said, you're welcome. Never told him I was the, the pastor in the next door building, but somebody will. And when he looks me up, somebody says, I've heard a lot of bad things about the guy. Oh, him. No, no, no. He's a good guy. Do unto others what you would have others do unto you. I think because I had people have me work on staff at their church and paid me $10 a week for gas, Back when gas was 89 cents a gallon, but still it was not. It's not like I was getting a $10 bill jumping up and down. And I had people not, you know, have me do things for free 
The first, the first job I got when I was in Bible school, a guy had me come down on an internship uh, to be the, the youth pastor at a spirit-filled Presbyterian church, whatever that is. And they agreed to pay me $50 a week. That, that, that was not much. Even in olden days, that was not much. So, I just, I did that a lot. I got a very low salary when I got out of Bible college. Very low. In the ministry. So I... I know what it's like to struggle. I, uh, you've heard me tell the... That's why when people don't say that they're not interested in success, I just, I just... I don't know how their brain works because I've had the opposite of success. And I've had some success, and success is much better. I've had it where my wife's tooth was really hurting her. And I had to give her a couple Advil, which in no way did, made a dent in the pain because we couldn't afford to go to the dentist. And then I, I, I like it a lot better now when she says, hey, I'm going to the dentist. All right. And I forget to ask her how much it costs because it doesn't matter. Success is... Here's a novel revelation for Christians. Success is better than failure. It's one or the other. It's one or the other, my friend. So you got to pick what you want. God said if he had his way, he'd give you good success. So, you know that thing Pastor Rodney Howard Brown says that sometimes God has you be around someone to take that person out of you? I think I was around so many people that shortchanged their ministerial staff that it took that out of me. I made up my mind when I was like 23. When I'm in charge, people are going to be blessed who, who work with me. I mean, that guy at Pramani Brothers doesn't work for me. But he did in a small way help me accomplish my goal of getting my daughter dinner. Think of it. I came there at 1130. He could have went, we close at midnight, bro. Kitchen's closed. He didn't even say, you're going to have to order in the next five minutes because we're shutting down. It was, it was, hey, no problem. Told me a story about how he took his nephew out late for dinner the other night because he got caught up doing something. Do unto others what you would have others do unto you. If you were your youth pastor, how would you want to be treated? Some ministries, the only way you can get a raise, they give you a raise if you get married and they give you a raise when you have a child. Everything's need-based. It's like socialism. And you've heard me say it before. Christians say they don't like communism, but they run their ministries communist. It, all salaries need-based. Oh, I heard you're getting married. We're going to bump your salary up. Oh, I heard you're having your first kid. We're going to bump your salary up. That's, that's Democrat. That's welfare. Compensation should be performance-based. If somebody's married with six kids and they suck, they shouldn't be paid as well as somebody that's single and does a great job.
Number 16, uncommon achievers compensate and reward those who assist them in achieving their goals. Um, ah, thanks, Romeo. I appreciate that. He said, Jonathan has kind eyes. I don't think that's ever been said in, the his, in my 41 years on this planet, but I'll take it. Uncommon achievers compensate and reward those who assist them in achieving their goals. During COVID, everybody in this ministry got raises and bonuses. And I, I, sh I probably should go into that. When COVID hit, it looked like we were going to get arrested. And when I say we, I mean me. It looked like the walls were closing in. It looked like they were going to do here what they did in Canada and Australia, and I'm sure they wanted to. And we, we were able to play a small hand in, in keeping that from happening. So I decided, you know, if we're going to get arrested, I'm going to run my mouth doing broadcasts. How many of you by a show of emoji hand came across me during COVID? So I, I made up my mind, I'm going to, I'm going to run my mouth. I'm going to speak out against this stuff until they, until they take me in. I'm going to curse it. I'm going to expose it. I'm going to do everything that I can. Well, I would, I felt the Lord speak to me, deal with people's spirits in the, in the day and deal with their minds at night. So this is the day program. We did this like this. Then we did check the news at night. Then if you remember, Pastor Rodney, when he was behind the green desk, asked me to come on with him three or four hours a night. So I'd go on with him from 7 to 11. Well, it starts dawning on me that my staff is basically, they're, they're, they're with me in the daytime doing programming 11 to 1. No, no, no. Was I doing a separate show in the afternoon? Yeah, I think I was doing the morning program 11, 11 to 12.30 or so. Then I was preaching a message 2 to, 2 to 3.30. Then going on with Pastor Rodney, 7 to, to 11. Then doing Check the News, 11.30, uh, 1130 to 1 in the morning. And then they'd come back and, and do Kofi's prayer show at 6 in the morning. They were happy to do it. But just because someone's happy to do something doesn't mean they should be punished for it. What, do you only pay people if they look miserable, that they're, they're not enjoying helping you? That should make you want to pay them more. So when it dawned on me that they, they were working a lot, I mean, we were living there. We were eating our dinners together there at the, at the old studio. I, I started giving, and we were happy. Now, and then think of this. Because we were on the air so much, and everybody's ministries were shut down, our, our, our giving to our ministry was, was going through the roof. So I, I started passing out bonuses left and right. I'd come in and say, hey, everybody gets an extra $5,000 for, for your service these last two months. Sometimes I like bonuses better than raises because if they add 5000 to your salary, you know, you don't really, what do you, what do you pick up a few after taxes, a few hundred bucks a week? You don't really, 200 bucks a week, you don't really see it. But 5000 at once feels nice. So that, that kept morale up. 
Uncommon achievers compensate and reward those who assist them in achieving their goals. You know what that does? It keeps morale up. People, it keeps people excited about the vision. If, if you put people in poverty, they're not going to stay excited about what you're doing. You're only hurting yourself trying to get a good deal on paying the people that help you. I ordered a custom item from a friend of mine in Pittsburgh. He made it. He did a great job. It was a pricey item. When he told me the price, I added an extra thousand something to it. He, you know, he looked at me like, you're supposed to negotiate for lower. I said, no, I'm not, I won't walk out of the store with it unless you ring it up for the price I said. He said, why? I said, you're my friend. Should I use the fact that we're friends to pay you less? Or because my, you're my friend, should I look to bless you? He said, I wish people thought like you. Yeah, why, why do you... You know, it's like, like uh, Abel is my brother-in-law. It's Magalas' husband. He did all the construction on this. Should I ask him to do it for free? Should I ask him to give me a discount? Or why not pay him more? Why not pay him standard? It's your own brother-in-law. Why are people always in the body of Christ looking to take advantage of people? Those were great days. Why always try to get people to do stuff for you for free? I'll tell you another thing while I'm on this subject. It looks like it's going to be slow going through these 50. Sorry, I didn't mean to get all wound up on this, but this is close to my heart because I've been on the... Anybody else by show of emoji hand been on the other end of... <laughs> I don't want to say getting screwed, but... Whatever the nice way of saying that is. It doesn't feel good to do your best. And, and, and people don't care. So when you're in a position to bless somebody... I, I, that's why I'm combining this with the golden rule. Put yourself in their position, the painter. And I'll forget business for a second. In the ministry, doubly so. I will never allow an unsaved person to do work for free here. And you know what happens? People offer to the landscaper, whoever. No, listen, I want to do this as a donation. You know, even um, my barber that I led to the Lord, he cut, he cut priest's hair for free, and to him I was a priest. So my haircut was free. I gave him $100 every time. The Catholic priest took the free haircut. Who does he go to church with? Me. Because you know why? You know why unsaved people asked, agree to do things for free to a church? To appease their conscience. Do you know why I won't let them? Do you know why I won't let them pay the uh, money or, or do it for free and I make sure to pay them? I don't want their conscience eased. I don't want them to feel like they've bought their salvation. 
and they're under conviction and they, need, they know they need to start going to church. But you know what? I did uh, $3,000 worth of work there and, and I gave it to them. No, I'll pay and I'll tip you so that you feel worse and you come and get saved. I don't want a, a deal. I want you to go to heaven. I don't want you to feel like Al Capone because you built a few churches in Chicago. You're free to <laughs> do the rest of the things Al Capone did. You're only, now, let's, let's dial it back to what we're talking about, the 50 secrets of uncommon achievers. This is not something you're doing because you should. You are only hurting your own endeavor to not compensate the people that are helping you and compensate them well. You'll have a high turnover of staff. You'll lose every person that God sent to help you. You know Mogalis, my wife's twin sister? She runs this whole operation administratively. She is paid like an executive. And people will rise to the level of what you pay them, and people will sink to the level of what you pay them. Let me tell you, if, I'm a vol if someone's paying me volunteer wages and giving me a gift card once a year, I'm not, I'm not showering before I come in. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll come in when I want, and I'll work till I don't feel like not working anymore. But when you're paying, you know, people rise to the level of where you treat them. Nice office, nice furniture. And then if you, obviously, if you notice somebody slipping, you fire them. That's right, George Ann. It, it's another Bible principle. This is not my principle. A laborer is worthy of his hire. It's unscriptural to not pay someone for working. It's not scriptural. <laughs> the laborer is worthy of his hire. Don't muzzle the ox when he's treading the grain. This, and I'm going to get into another point if I'm not careful here. Hire quality people and pay them at the level they are. I feel like things should be better in the kingdom of God than they are in the world. If you hire somebody away from an executive position to come work at your ministry, it should be a step up financially, not a step down. Stop trying to get deals at the expense of other people. Be because you don't pay someone, now, because you won't use your faith, now they have to use their faith. Can you do this for free? Well, now they have to pick up a second contract or whatever to make up for the one. They have to use their faith to get more contracts because you wouldn't, and, I, and you leave people with a sour taste in their mouth. My brother-in-law Abel's been doing construction for 20, about 20 years. Most of that on his own, running his own company. The only construction job he ever got stiffed on was by a pastor. I'm sure that pastor just assumed, hey, you know I'm a pastor, right? should be free. We shouldn't have, no, the Bible says you're to pay. 
All right, that's enough of that. Uncommon achievers compensate and reward those who assist them in achieving their goals. Number 70, Solomon kept alive the enthusiasm and greatness of his project. First Kings 8, 17 to 20. I'm borrowing this heavily. Remember I told you that I, I'm going to get to some of the points I wrote. These are all from a message Matthew Eshemaloa preached. The 20 Secrets of Solomon. And I was going to give him the credit, but then I ordered a book by Mike Murdoch, uh, Secrets of the Richest Man Who Ever Lived, about Solomon. And it turns out Brother Eshemaloa also borrowed his points from, from Dr. Murdoch, which they're friends, which is fine. There's no copyright on the Holy Ghost. But I want to give credit so someone says, hey, Jonathan said this was his message. No, I did not. I'm going to add some of my points in because he gave 20. I'm giving 50. 1 Kings 8, 17 to 20. Praise the Lord. 1 Kings 8, 17 to 20. Then Solomon said, My father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord told him, You wanted to build the temple to honor my name? Your intention is good, but you're not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build the temple to honor me. And now the Lord has fulfilled the promise he made, for I have become king in my father's place, and now I sit on the throne of Israel just as the Lord promised. I've built this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, and I've prepared a place there for the ark, which contains the covenant that the Lord made with our ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt. Number eight, number uh, 17, Solomon kept alive. He's telling people this. This is why we're doing this. This is God's idea. You remember God spoke this to my father, my, but my father was known. I'm the one. We're doing this by the direction of God. And he's speaking to the people helping him. Number 17, Solomon kept alive the enthusiasm and greatness of his project. So you remember in the beginning, number five was Solomon valued the greatness of his goal and was proud of it. But now this is different because as you get started doing as you get started with your vision and your mission, things get stale if you let them. People forget why we're doing what we're doing. So as the leader, it's your job to keep the enthusiasm for what you're doing alive. Not fake enthusiasm. Remind people of the mission. Remind people of the vision. Remind people why we're here. Number 17, uncommon achievers keep alive the enthusiasm and greatness of their project. I go to some churches and it just feels so stale. You know, no one's excited. You go to the, you go to the reception area of the church office, it's like a funeral home. Can I help you? You have an appointment to see the pastor. All right, let me make a call. 
bastard. There's a um, gentleman here with a um, chain on. He said this, he wants to see you. Okay. He said you can go back. All the joy is gone. Turn to, I'm going to give you another scripture that just popped in my spirit. Turn to uh, the book of Joel, chapter 1. Where are you, Joel? Yeah. I have no shame. I'll use the, I'll use the table of contents. 803. I give it two passes and then, then I, 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 I cheat. 803. Joel 1, verse 12. The grapevines have dried up. The fig trees have withered. The pomegranate trees, palm trees, and apple trees, and all the fruit trees have dried up. Because in the King James... Because joy has withered away from the hearts of men. The harvest failed to produce because joy has withered from the hearts of men. Part of producing is keeping the joy and enthusiasm of your task. The day I dread coming in to do these teachings is the day my ministry is over. The day I dread waking up for Sunday morning, uh, I got to preach. You mean you hear some people talk about their own thing? I got to preach three times this, this week at my church, you know, at my staff's. Uh, it's over. If the leader <laughs> is dreading going to church, you can be sure the people are dreading going to church. Joy brings harvest. And lack of joy, Joel 1.12, causes your harvest to dry up. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy brings you strength. Joy brings you, joy has a production aspect to it. People like to be around happy people. People give in happy offerings. Ask Jesse Duplantis. Does Jesse Duplantis, one of the richest ministries on planet earth, when he receives the offering, is it a sorry offering? Is it a mean offering? People should tithe. The work of the Lord struggling because you people won't give. No, people are, he has them laughing and giving. Seventeen, uncommon achievers keep alive the enthusiasm and greatness of their project. Are we, we're not going through the motions Sunday at this church. Somebody write in the comments, what are, what's our mission for Resurrection Sunday? We'll see who gets it first. And then once Resurrection Sunday's over, I'll have further direction where we're going from there. We're reaching, we're climbing we have enthusiasm. We're going for it. Thousand people. There it is. That's right. There's a vision. There's enthusiasm behind it. Uncommon achievers. 
I had a guy in line at the restaurant in front of me turn around a couple days ago and say, tell me how he wants to help me get to a thousand people. He doesn't go to my church, but he's, he's coming uh, this Sunday. Get it out there. Where are you pushing for? If you have no goal, you're sure to hit it. What, what's, what's your target you're going for? Does your staff know? Do the church people know? What's the vision of the church? To show up on Sunday and have a t timely service that gets out in a decent amount of time? Keep the enthusiasm and greatness of your project alive. Number 17, uncommon achievers keep alive the enthusiasm and greatness of their project. Now I'm going to go out of order here and I'm going to give you another one. So that was what? 17? So here's 18. And this will go right along with it and I might close here today. So let me, for my own bookkeeping, let me put this down. 18, because it goes right along with it. 1 Kings 10, 8. Uh, start up at 6. This is when the Queen of Sheba visited Solomon. 1 Kings 10, 6. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. Verse 8. Underline this. Write it in the comments if you would. How happy, ah, oh, there's an asterisk, I hate that, it means they changed it. How happy your people are. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. I'm reading the King James, New King James. First Kings 10.8. Maybe I can bang on a, a, a couple more points. First Kings 10, 8. Happy are your men. See, New Living, how happy your people must be. No. Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Number 18, Solomon only hired happy people. If you're sad in this ministry, you're fired. Something's wrong. It's amazing how many ministers I've known or Christians who it looked like they were, well, okay, let me stick with ministers. They had a powerful ministry, had miracles, great preachers. Then you found out they were in sin. And me and Adalas have said this to each other several times when it would come out because it was a shock. And we say, you know what, though? They were never happy. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. When someone is sad, their salvation's questionable. I know that sounds harsh, but about 80% of what I say sounds harsh, so you should be used to it by now. But it's true. If the Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord, and in his presence is fullness of joy, and joy is a fruit of the Spirit, then when somebody's walking around sad, 
Yeah, well, they might need help. Then get help, get delivered, and be happy again. We're not talking about con congregants. We're talking about the people that you hire to work with you. The Queen of Sheba, when, listen to this now. When the Queen of Sheba met Solomon's staff, she remarked, how happy your servants are. Maybe in her palace, everybody was very serious because they didn't know if they were going to get beheaded or not. But it wasn't like that in Solomon's place. People were laughing it up. If, there are people that come to our office who don't go to this church, and they drop by quite a bit to hang out. We have no shortage of people coming in to do stuff. People like being here. It is a happy staff. It is a joyous staff. I've had many people remark about it. People aren't tense. Number one, if you pay people, you can, you can tell when you meet people's staff if they're underpaid. Hello, nice to be here. You know, <laughs> they have the weight of the world on them. They're not happy. Number 18, 50 secrets of uncommon achievers. Number 18, uncommon achievers only hire happy people. I would rather have a happy, unsaved person working at this ministry than an unhappy Christian. Because I, I don't believe they're a Christian anyway. If you're sad, I don't believe you're a Christian. Continually sad. David had his wives and uh, family kidnapped and in the same day encouraged himself in the Lord and put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you want to be miserable in life, hire unhappy people. In the ministry, in business. I don't care. Someone said, how do we get more joy? Hang around joyful people. Same way you get anything. Importation. Guard your company. I minister to depressed people, but I don't hang around them. Who you minister to and who you have around you on a continual basis are two different things. And since we did these last two on joy, that you need to be joyful, you need to keep the enthusiasm and zeal of your project alive, and you need to only hire happy people. I'm telling you, I'm 41 now. If I see someone continually sad, at this point I just assume they're in sin. I figure, well, they must be sleeping with somebody they're not married to, or they, start, they relapsed into drugs. If somebody's sad, something's wrong. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and he adds no sorrow. So I, I won't do any more points. I'm going to close by answering that YouTube commenter's question. How do you stay joyful? Control your atmosphere. These are points under number 18. Number one, learn to control your atmosphere. You never feel good talking about bad things. I'm going to give you an example. And you do feel good. Write, write this down. Number two. Say right words and right feelings will follow. 
Don't wait till you feel good to say good things. Say good things and good feelings will follow. Let your word, let your words be the engine that runs the locomotive, not your feelings. Is this man the son of Tiff Shuttlesworth? Never heard of him. Um, so I told you I was taking care of Camila these two days, right? When we were driving after we got something to eat at the bar, <laughs> um, we're driving home and... Uh, I could tell she started, you know, and then you know how, how things work. I mean, I might have not known this three years ago, but I, I got a pretty good grip on things now. She just ate. You got that, like, after you eat, you get that, like, tiredness that comes on you, and she starts missing her mother, right? Do you know how I snapped her out of it? I said, well, Mommy will be home tomorrow. That doesn't help. She misses her now. So I didn't say any of that. You know what I said? What are your five best memories that we have together. Her eyes lit up. Oh, the time you took me to Disney by surprise. One time I flew her down with me to go. I was preaching at Pastor Rodney's and I took her with me. Just me and her. It was the first time we ever traveled together. And I landed in Tampa and we got our bags at six o'clock. And um, I thought, you know what? I could check into my hotel, be there at 7 p.m. with nothing to do. Or I could make this kid's life. So I never said anything to her. I got run in the car, put our bags in, and started driving to Orlando. This was like 2018 or 19. And when we hit Celebration Florida, where they have that big gate with Minnie and Mickey on it, Welcome to Celebration, home of Disney or whatever it said. She was like this in the car because, you know, we're just going to the hotel. She's going to watch me preach. And then we hit that gate, and she went like this. Are, 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 we, in, are we in Orlando? I said, yeah. And then she looked at me like she didn't want to say it. She didn't want to jinx. Are we going to Disney? Are you taking me to Disney? I said, yeah. And she flipped. Well, think about it. Your memories have all those good emotions held in the rehearsal of it. Sometimes I have more fun planning a vacation than I have on the actual vacation, looking at the restaurants on Yelp, thinking about it. What you meditate on will control your mood, man. So she's, that was her first answer. All right, that's the first one. Tell me another one. Well, she rattles off four more. Well, no more, nothing more said about I miss mom. She, and you know the funny thing? She went from being tired to energized. Joy brings strength. So, what are your five best memories? Do you have photographs from any of them? Put them up in your office. Put them up in your house. Don't have a photo of your brother that passed away up in your living room. Have it somewhere where you can look at it when you feel like it. Not someplace that snaps you out of a good mood every time you come into your own living room. Two of my favorite places, if not my two favorite places on earth, are Lake Powell in Page, Arizona and Sedona, Arizona. 
there was an artist who took pictures where they printed on that like metallic paper that when the light hits it, it looks like alive. I bought two of his portraits. I think it cost, it cost a lot. 2200 bucks for two, two pictures. They're big. I'm having them, I was going to have them framed and put in my office. Adonis put them in the house in the living room. I'll get more next time I go back to Arizona for my office. I didn't pay $2,200 for pictures. I paid $2,200 to be continually in a good mood. When I look at those pictures, it makes me happy. Control your atmosphere. Don't listen to music written by suicidal people. I'm talking about um, K-Love. <laughs> I see you, Slingshot Kid. Monica said, who are on those pictures? Nobody. It's a picture of a lake and canyons and a picture of a mountain with flowers, wildflowers. Pastor Mike said his number one best memory was when all his children got married and moved out. Should have taken a picture of it with the U-Haul or whatever. Have it hang up in your, in your office. Just look on it and get, get happy. There's little things that you can keep around you that keep you in joy. Keep a photo album on your phone, a separate photo album that's just entitled Great Memories. Take pictures off of, of great times you've had. I was looking at a picture yesterday of, I took a DOS out for an anniversary dinner. It was either 2018 or 2019 at a very nice restaurant in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we both looked so happy. I took a selfie of us sitting while they were getting our table ready. There's stuff you can just look at and snap yourself. Think of this. There's things you can look at that will immediately snap you from a good mood to a sad mood or a bad mood or an angry mood. <laughs> There's people you can show me a picture of them that stole 10 grand from me when I was young in the middle. I will, I will immediately not be happy anymore. Yes, I've forgiven them. I don't want to see their face anymore. I'm trying to forget them. Please don't show me a picture. And then... Just like you can do that. So why use it negative? Talk about a good memory you've had to somebody. Talk about your dreams. Now, we're talking about backward thinking. How about forward thinking, which is much more scriptural? Get a picture of where you want to go in life and hang that up. What's before your eyes matters. The eyes are the window to the soul. Put pictures up that make you laugh. Like that picture somebody brought up, that picture, portrait me and Teddy posed for, that we posed ourselves, and the ladies from Olin Mills almost got fired for taking it. They thought they posed us like that. If you've never seen it, you won't see it because I sold it. <laughs> if you can learn to control your mood 
and not allow, think of this, either you're going to control your mood or outside factors are going to control your mood. So which one do you want to pick? Learn to control your own mood. I, I, I've learned how to do that. It took me a long time, but I'm pretty good at it now. You saw that person pop on the other day and tell me when I w received the offering, go to hell, grifter. Did that put me in a bad mood? Or did I um, possibly put that person in a bad mood? The old saying is learn to laugh at yourself, but I found it's much easier to laugh at other people. I'm not letting some random youth... It amazes me how many people in the ministry can have one person leave a negative comment on their Facebook page or whatever, and it, it dominates their actions and thought for the next five days. We had somebody leave a comment on our church Facebook that they said, you know, that I'm like a, a charlatan and that, that I'm, a, I'm like hyper-faith, which I'm not, you know. I, I believe in the faith message. I'm, I want to not... What do you care? That's all it takes for the devil to, to, to ruin your week is have a random person you've never met that doesn't even have a profile picture write something negative about you? Who cares? Who cares? My Uncle Ted, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., he's the first person I've ever seen that was in the ministry. So not that I'm blaming him for my behavior, but he's the first person I've ever seen where somebody would come up angry about something that he preached. I didn't agree with that. I didn't like what you preached when you said this. And you go, who cares? <laughs> who cares what you like? <laughs> and I thought, man, I've never seen somebody. Now, normally, you mean, well, well, maybe we could go out to lunch and talk. Who cares what you believe? <laughs> I've sown the seed of God's word. If you don't receive it, you're free to go about your business. I never saw somebody not affected by other people's opinions. Most people you meet are slaves to other people's opinions. Number 18, uncommon achievers only hire happy people. Assess your staff. Are they happy? If they're not, give them 24 hours to get happy. And then if they don't, give them 24 hours to get out. Replace them with somebody that's happy. It'll immediately improve your business. It'll immediately improve your ministry. I'll lay off this point because we, we got to go, but it, it's wild to me. You go to a business and the person that's at the front of house is unhappy. The person that, you know, I'm telling you, man, if I, if I had a franchise, I, I, would, I would routinely drop by my franchises to see who greeted me, how I was greeted. You ever walk into a store that closes at 9 o'clock at 8.20 and them tell you, we close in 40 minutes just so you know. Yeah, I know. You can close now for good for all I care. That's how, you, that's how you welcome me? You hire people to go work. You got your life's work invested in a store, and you've got people running out employees. Not only are they not selling, they're, they're making people feel unwelcome. What, did I walk into your living room? You know, we, we're going to bed soon. You can't figure out why your revenue's down. Man, we have a good product. 
We opened up in a high traffic area. Yeah, you got some jerk that the first you walk into your store, your shop, makes people want to go do business elsewhere. If you can't tell, I have trouble letting things go. I've got, there's a really good restaurant in Pittsburgh. I've never eaten there because of how I was treated the first time I went in. You know, I walked in, no hello. I need, I need to get this under the blood. Maybe I'll, I'll be at the altar at the prayer service just getting, getting rid of this. I, wa I walk into the restaurant, no hello. How many in your party? Um, there's at least a 40-minute wait. All right, goodbye for good. How about, um, how many, hey, glad you're here. How many in your party? Right now, there's a 40-minute wake, but I'm going to see if I can't arrange something to get you in sooner. Do you have a reservation? You know, I'm done. I, I hate being treated like that. I hate it. You better reassess your staff. There could be people in your staff that are holding up your harvest, and you don't even know it. Do you know how much business I've given to the restaurant that's next door to that place that I never intended to eat at? I only ate there because that other place kicked me out, and it's very good. I have them cater meals to the church for my guests. I take guests to eat there. So whatever. If you don't mind losing a few thousand dollars, that's on you. Better watch your staff. I'm going to tell you, if I owned a restaurant and somebody said, just so you know, there's a 40-minute, to people that walked in, they'd be fired before they finished the sentence. I'd say, hey, get out of here. Don't ever come in here again. I'd fire, that. now you can see why I have people that do, that deal with the employees as a middleman between me and them. If I had my life's work, if I had taken out, good Lord, if I took out a $2 million loan like people do that open a restaurant and paid for all that kitchen equipment and, and I had some, <laughs> what words can you say as a born-again Christian? If I had some person at the front running people out, I'm telling you, you better reassess your staff. Better walk through the front door of your church on Sunday in disguise and see how you're treated when you walk in. Uncommon achievers hire happy people. And you produce who you are. So an uncommon achiever needs to be happy and you need to have happy people. I have trouble letting stuff go, but the Lord helps me. I have like an eight-year-old at the grocery store look at me the wrong way. What's your problem? By show of emoji hands, how many of you have ever gone to a business and were treated rudely the second you walked in? I know it's like a sales tactic at up, upper-end stores. I don't like being treated like that. Can I help you, sir? Are you looking at the size or the price? Hey, listen, I know you work at Louis Vuitton, but you're not Louis Vuitton. You're a, you're, you're a sales, you're a retail worker. 
Okay, so don't talk to me like you're King Louis from France in the 1600s and have the power to take my head off. Not in the mood. I was at a Louis Vuitton store. It was the first thing I ever bought from Louis Vuitton for a dollar. I was coming back from, from India, I think, and I had a layover at the um, London airport. So I figured since I was gone for like 10 days, I'll bring her back something nice. So I went to Louis Vuitton, and nobody would wait on me because I was... There were like sheiks in there and stuff, and I was just—I just finished like a 15-hour flight, had like a zip-up tracksuit on. I looked like I was just discharged from a methadone clinic. I looked like it was orientation day at Teen Challenge Brockton. So nobody would wait on me. So I found a trick to get people to wait on me. I took one of their most expensive purses and started tossing it in the air and catching it. And I got someone to come over like this. Sir, sir, can I help you? Oh yeah, yeah. I was just looking to buy a pair of shoes. Figured I'd pay, play toss with this purse till someone came over. Yeah, don't treat me badly. I'll make your establishment lose a star too. Since I'm confessing, I think I was 27, 28, I got thrown out of a restaurant because I didn't like how I was treated. And I... I let them know in front of everybody in the middle of dinner service. They paid, um, Teddy was there with me and our two wives. We went out for a nice dinner. We'd probably already eaten about $300 worth of food. We were celebrating something. I think celebrating that we were able to pay our rent on time or something. And, and the manager said, um, if, if, if you could leave. I said, I haven't paid my bill yet. They said, we'll take care of it. So there's a little trick for you if you want to eat at nice places and not pay the bill. Order a ton of food to eat and then get, get thrown out. <laughs> On that note, Father, you've been so good to us. We thank you for good success. <laughs> Thanks for keeping me out of jail. For starters, thanks for protecting me. With your help, I'll do better in the future. Thanks for making life fun, oh Lord. Your yoke truly is easy and your burden truly is light. We love you, Lord Jesus. We give you glory. Bless everybody who's here. Pray you'd bless their lives. And as they apply these great principles from your word, may they see good success. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you, you want to surrender your life to him, they're going to put a number at the bottom of the screen. I want you to call it and take care of that today. There's great people standing by waiting to pray with you. Please call talking to you on YouTube, Facebook, call this number, 412-440-1412. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, pray. I'll tell you the whole story. So we ordered the food, right? 
And Carolyn, Teddy's wife, didn't get her food or my wife. They just brought me and Teddy's. So we told the waitress three different times that our wives hadn't gotten the food. Not mean. I'm not mean. To, I don't mistreat servers. So they never brought the food. Then another server came by because we're waiting. The reason we're at the table and haven't, are still waiting is because our wives haven't gotten their meals. And they drop a card in front of me that says, you've been at this table for over two hours. We ask our guests to leave in a timely manner because we're busy. The whole reason I'm there is because my wife hasn't gotten anything to eat. And I semi-blacked out when I read it. And then the next thing I know, I was up on my feet following the person, telling them loudly what I just told you. Hey, note writer, the whole reason I'm sitting here is because you people haven't brought my wife her food yet. Bring the food. Then the manager came up, sir, is there a problem? There is a problem. <laughs> okay, we're going to ask you to leave. We'll take care of the bill. I'm not saying it was right. I'm just telling you what happened. This is, a, this is an honest account of how things went down. I'm not saying that's a good example. It's not a good testimony. But we ate a lot of food. We ordered one of those seafood towers. It was like 280 bucks with like chilled lobster tails. Oh, man, I should do that again. You should take the whole church out to a nice restaurant. Then when it comes time to pay, just start flipping tables, kicking people. Uh, if, if somehow that story inspired you to give, here's the ways you can give. Underneath uh, Revival Today, there's the easiest way to give. RevivalToday.com. You click give now. Hashtag donate on Facebook. You can text RT to 50155. Cash app, dollar sign RT give. Venmo, at RT give. I mean, how do you hear a story like that and not want to sow seed into the work of the Lord? PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. If you'd like to, uh, <laughs> if you'd like to give by cryptocurrency, you can scan this QR code. If you want to mail it, somebody said, how did everyone else react? I don't know. At the time I had um, tunnel vision. If you want to mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Don't forget to claim your offer at RevivalToday.com. Claim my offer. The phone number is 412-446-2332 or international plus one. 412-446-2332. Thank you, Lyric. Back to me real quick. Let me tell you one more story since we're on stories about getting thrown out of restaurants. Then I'll leave you alone. Anybody ever heard of the comedian Tracy Morgan? Jay Moore is a white comic. Tracy Morgan's a black comic. It matters for the story. So they were both on Saturday Night Live together. If you don't enjoy the story, I'm sorry, but it, it's one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. Jay Moore tells it. So he said after Saturday Night Live was over, when they were done shooting, he said, Jay Moore, come party with me. I'm going to show you how to party. 
So he comes with him and he said, he takes him to a club in Harlem that's like down, downstairs under a building. So they're sitting at a table and he said, Tracy Morgan starts ordering bottles of Cristal at like back then $700 a bottle, $1,000 a bottle. Again, I'm not telling you this is an example. I'm not approving of this. I'm telling you about a thing that happened. Jay Moore said he was the only white guy in the club. Tracy Morgan's ordering bottles, racking up a huge bill. So the waiter comes over and drops the bill in front of Jay Moore. And Jay said, I saw it. It was $4,600. And I thought, I can't believe Tracy Morgan set me up and ordered all this. this is going to make me, I don't have that much money. And he's thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Tracy Morgan yells at the server. You give the bill to him? You don't think I can't, can pay it because I'm black? Stands up, grabs the guy by the bow tie and knocks him out. Then stands up on the table takes his shirt off so he's bare-chested and starts yelling, I'm a rich, and I'm not going to say the, the word he is. I'm a rich, keeps yelling it. So he said, Jay, Jay Moore said, the first time I heard the word, I'm only, I was out of there. So I run up the stairs, and my heart's pounding, and I'm waiting to see what, whether I should wait for Tracy or just take off. And then in about 30 seconds, two bouncers have Tracy, and he's bleeding, and they throw him up the stairs and he's all bloody, and they go, don't ever come back here. They shut the door, and he stands up and dusts himself off and goes, and that, Jay Moore, is how you get out of paying a $5,000 check. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.